Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If the God of the Bible really exists, I would go gladly to hell. And anybody happy to go to heaven to worship such a creature is morally bankrupt. It is because God's wrath is real that his mercy is relevant. Unless you have a real wrath, the biblical concepts of mercy and of grace are robbed of their meaning. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How is Taylor Swift a lot like a freshwater aquarium? That is the question. This is Wretched Radio. You can't find this article on the internet because it's been expunged. Nevertheless, it is worthy of our consideration as an author makes the claim, seven things Christians can learn from Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. Apparently, she's running around the globe, selling out major stadiums. And a particular Christian author, who will go nameless, because that isn't the point, it is how we use illustrations, how we use analogies, how we compare this and that. Similes, metaphors, if you will. This fella came up with seven things that we Christians can learn from Taylor Swift. problem number one the phrasing do you know what i can learn from taylor swift absolutely nothing she doesn't have the mind of christ you do i do the bible is where we learn something not taylor swift does that mean we can't learn nothing from natural revelation didn't say that but my source for natural revelation probably isn't going to be a woman who heavily promotes abortion and sexual confusion and radical feminism and is willing to be a role model that isn't very role model worthy. That's the problem with this article. I've heard an awful lot of people banging on this particular presentation of seven things Christians can learn from Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. I'm not sure that I've heard a lot of good explanations. What's the problem with this article? Well, let me share with you what the illustrations are. Number one, this is what we can learn from Taylor Swift. Jimmy, I know you're a Swifty, so (laughs) we were created to be seen and known. Is that true? Well, yeah, if you understand it rightly, the Eras Tour allows fans to draw near to the one person who seems to really know them. Of course, Taylor doesn't know 99.9% of her fans. Only foolish ones would think otherwise. That's kind of ironic, if you ask me. Still, the joy Swifties feel in Taylor's presence, perhaps even catching a glance of Taylor herself reflects the joy of drawing near to the only one who knows and loves us perfectly. What am I supposed to learn from Taylor Swift exactly? And why am I using somebody like Taylor Swift? I'm I'm not talking about her music. I couldn't tell you a, a single lyric, frankly. But I do know about her lifestyle, her morals, and her worldview. And even her politics, if you want to toss that in there, because she's very aggressively pro-abortion and very pro-sexual perversion. This is a comparison between Taylor Swift and her fans, Jesus Christ and her church. What's wrong with that illustration? Number two, we were created to image greatness. See, watch this one. Witnessing tens of thousands of Swifties flooding Chicago streets and shops hours before the show 
was surreal. Yeah, it's a dude who wrote this article. You could spot a Swifty a mile away as they all dressed as her. While every Taylor follower reflected her differently, they all imaged her corporately reflecting the full array of her dazzling ensemble. So when you go to church, basically that's analogous to dressing up in a spangled hot dress that looks like Taylor Swift. See what, see what they did there? Then you wonder this article got pulled. <laughs> Number three, the object of our greatest affection will be more beautiful than we imagined because Taylor, oh, when she was revealed, oh, she was glorious. She appeared flawless. This moment is a dim reflection of the day Christ is revealed to his followers. All right. So imagine all the kids in the crowd. That's you, church. And that woman up on the stage and all of her values is a picture of Jesus. Wow. When analogies go astray, not only will his beauty not disappoint us, he'll be infinitely more beautiful than we ever imagined. Number four, we were recreated. Jimmy, let me know when you've had enough of this. We were <laughs> created for reciprocal enjoyment with the object of our greatest affection. She expressed how much she enjoys her fans. Believer, how much more does Christ enjoy you? And not as a member of a stadium full of faces, but as intimately as a bridegroom enjoys his bride. It's kind of funny how the, all of these illustrations need a lot of explaining. Well, it's, you know, it's not the same. <laughs> Maybe that would disqualify the illustration. Number six, we were created for transcendent belonging and community. The Swifties, they found that at the Eras Tour. We find that in Jesus. Number six, pettiness turns to gratitude in the presence of beauty. Every Eras show includes two decade-long fans, recent followers, and everything in between. Heaven will consist of lifelong followers and deathbed converts but none will feel robbed or embittered. All will overflow with joy and gratitude simply to be in Christ's presence. Whew. One more, we've come this far. We were created for unmixed, timeless joy. It's hard to explain what I felt when I woke up the morning after seeing Taylor Swift. Yeah, it was a dude who wrote this. Uh, the best way I can describe it is sad joy. Schadenfreude. For all the happy anticipation leading up to the show, the sorrowful realization that it was over tainted my joy. Your joy won't be tainted in heaven. All right, what's the problem? Seriously, what is the problem? Let me share with you another analogy that maybe makes this slightly, slightly more complicated. Is there anything wrong with illustrations? Is there anything wrong with saying this is like that? The answer is no. It is ideal. If you're a preacher or you're trying to teach your kids about Jesus, the New Testament church, rather than looking at a YouTube video of a Taylor Swift Eras tour concert, go to the Old Testament and find it there. The Puritans used to do that. They were constantly saying, so this that I'm talking about here from this epistle, it's like this guy in the Old Testament. It is safest and best to use illustrations from the Bible rather than from contemporary culture. Nevertheless, 
What grows in the local church? This is Tim Challies writing about his pondering a freshwater planted aquarium. Not, not kidding. The same conditions that causes the plants to thrive also cause algae to thrive. The church is the aquarium. So what you got here is a Tim Challies illustration using an aquarium to compare to the church. The church is the aquarium in which every good Christian quality can grow and thrive. It is in the church we learn to embrace and display heavenly virtues of love, joy, peace, etc. Yet the same context can promote other terrible vices. Just like an aquarium, when you keep it at certain conditions, it's going to grow beautiful and it's going to grow algae. Same thing in the church. The same conditions that cause us to flourish and do, be flourish and do beautiful things can also cause terrible vices. If love can spread in the local church, writes Challies, so can suspicion. If faithfulness can spread in the local church, so can distrust. If zeal, apathy. If submission, rebellion. What grows in an aquarium? Plants and weeds. Because the conditions that foster one fosters the other. Similarly, what grows in the local church? Virtues and vices. Because much of the context that fosters one can easily foster the opposite. Now, most likely, you would read that illustration and go, okay, that, that works. Now, what sort of grade you give it for its power? I think the observation is fair. So why, on the one hand, is a Canadian blogger's analogy fine and the Taylor Swift analogy, seven of them, not so good? Number one, the illustration wasn't comparing it to God. Now, I'm not saying that any time you do an illustration, it can't be done rightly about God is like this. Because the Bible does it. We should stick with those illustrations. God is like a mother hen. God has a strong hand, a mighty arm. We, we can live with those. Anytime you go outside of them, though, you're in dangerous territory. And especially when you're going to compare God with Taylor Swift, which brings us to point number two. We're talking about an aquarium here. It's, it's not something with a worldview. It's just a thing. And it's a safe illustration. Taylor Swift um, isn't exactly the type of comparison that would have any values that would be analogous to God. They're gleaned on the surface. Now, with, with, without, without insinuating she's that, if I compared something holy to, say, another sin or another sinner, an unregenerate sinner, you'd go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? B-I-N-G-O, exactly. Uh, okay, here's a, here's a lame one. Baptism is a lot like a jacuzzi in a house of ill repute. Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Or something godly is like fill in the blank with a sin. Rape, inside, you, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, you can't redeem that illustration and compare it to his church or most certainly to God. Ditto. Taylor Swift. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable, biblical health 
sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff second of all you can save on average $500 per month and finally MediShare it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You're the foundation. You're the heartbeat of this mission. You stand firm with us, and it's not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest-to-goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, unwavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Know your church fathers. Athanasius was the Bishop of Alexandria in the 4th century. He was a champion of the Church's fight against Arianism and was a chief author of the Nicene Creed. However, his orthodoxy did not equal popularity. Athanasius was exiled no less than five times, but Athanasius chose to honor God instead of man. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. When you long to know the why... Behind your sorrow, this is Wretched Radio. If you live on this planet, and apparently you do, otherwise you wouldn't be hearing my human voice, you've experienced sorrow. It can be minor. If you have never experienced major sorrow, give it time, you will. Because we are on this side of the veil. We experience the effects of the fall constantly and sometimes very dramatically. And we as human beings can have a propensity to say, why, 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 why? When we do that, we better be careful. You may recall chapter seven from Heath Lambert's book, The Great Love of God. 
paints a beautiful picture of the resurrection of Lazarus. Mary and Martha approached Jesus, who had tarried. He lingered because he was going to do something better for them than simply heal his brother. That's kind of an interesting statement, isn't it? Jesus healed so much, so constantly. I think it can be rightly said, with exception of some outliers, that illness and disease was obliterated when Jesus was doing his ministry in Israel. Read the Gospel of Mark immediately, 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 constantly healing. That healing, when we talk about it, and Jesus, it's almost like, well, he was going to do something better than that. Because healing, a physical malady, is extraordinary. Raising from somebody from the dead, whew, how much more so? Exponentially more. And Jesus lingered to give them the gift of the resurrection of their brother. And when he approached the weeping and wailing surrounding the tomb, they questioned Jesus without it being an interrogative. If you had come earlier, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. As a friend, we can ask questions. We can take our concerns to the Lord and cast our cares on him because he cares for us. It's okay. But having said that, we need to be careful about how we do it. And perhaps before we do it, we need to consider what Tim Challies wrote about when you long to know the why behind your sorrow. Tim's experienced some sorrow lately. You'll recall his son, 20, 21-year-old son, Nick, died suddenly while studying to be a pastor at Boyce College on Southern Seminary's campus. That's some sorrow for you right there. And here's what Tim writes. Number one, if you're experiencing that, this is going to sound cliche, but let him make his case. Trust God with it. Trust him. That you've heard that you know that, but but his illustration for that I think is powerful. That will perhaps help you to go. All right, Lord, I'm going to rest in you. Whatever this is, it's hard. I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you with it. He writes, "Faith calls you to not merely entrust your soul to God, but also your life, your times, your health, your loved ones, and everything else." When you signed up for Christianity, you are entrusting body, soul, eternity, finances, activity. Everything was entrusted to Jesus Christ. And when we go through sorrow, we need to remember that. That God is good and able and faithful. He is in the heavens. He does what pleases him for his glory and our good. That's, this is what we signed up for. God, I've trusted you for salvation. Now I'm trusting you with my suffering. If you can confidently place your soul in his hands, you can place your health, your safety, your kids, and everything you count dear into his hands. If you haven't experienced this type of deep sorrow, maybe today would be the day to actually pray that prayer. Don't wait till it happens. Now, Lord... I try to protect my kids because I'm faithful to the task that you've assigned me. But ultimately, if you do something different that I would not have planned, I trust you. Or you are good. You are able. You are faithful. I trust you. Do that now. Equip yourself with that mindset today. 
Number two, if you're wanting to know the why behind your sorrow, ask this question. What answer would satisfy you? What would, what would you need to hear? What, 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 what would it be? Because I, I, let's, let's say it's, it's, the, it's the loss of all of your money, all of your money. And you wonder why, Lord, why? And what if the Lord deigned to tell you? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because you are going to use a big chunk of that money for very nefarious purposes. And you are going to be funding something that, that is so evil and atrocious that it would have impacted an awful lot of lives negatively. So I took away your money. Oh, I'm good. Fine. You sure you want to know the answer? Tim Challies, you may think you want to know why, but it's worth asking if you actually do. What answer would satisfy you? And do you have a mind capable of grasping it? Ouch. Needless to say, God is smarter. He is wiser. Our little brains aren't made to know all things. And maybe he's not going to tell you for your good. The answer may reach deep in the past and extend far into the future. God may be up to things that require knowledge far beyond your ability and capacity, far beyond that of your limited little sin-tainted mind. <laughs> and then, even if you could understand, are you confident that you would judge it worth it? Wow, that's a... Poof. You'd weigh it, wouldn't you? You'd put, you'd put it on a scale and say, oh, okay, let's see if this is actually better than what I'm suffering. Is, is the suffering worth it? Why not just solve that, that dilemma now? Resolve that question with an affirmative. It is better. Suffering is better. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. God never gives a cup of poison to his children. He is a good physician. He only gives us what we need. He doesn't make life hard because he just has some sort of whew, dark side to him. Hey, angels, watch this. I'm going to rip all the cash out of his hands. And the angels protest, but he made it legally and paid his taxes. Yeah, I know. That's going to make it even more delicious. That's not God. That you would hear God's explanation. Would you receive it with joy? Number three, when you want to know why, what's behind your suffering, steer your mind away from what God has not revealed and steer it toward what he has. So instead of studying the tragedy, study him. Even if you don't immediately connect the dots, what is he like? What's his character like? Think of the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He did that because he loved them. You're right now, you're praying, why, why, when, when? Whatever the specifics are, the general principle is something loving. That's, that's what he's going to deliver to you, something loving, because that's all he gives his children. And you say, but wait a second, cancer is not loving. If cancer does things for you that nothing else could accomplish, then you could rightly say, then God's cancer is good because he uses it for something greater than what we fix our eyes on. That doesn't mean we don't battle it. It doesn't mean we don't use the medicine that God has provided. That is a gift. You can fight your cancer, but don't I think this has been said, waste your cancer. 
Instead of searching for the reasons of your tragedy, look to the character of God. Consider your circumstances in light of those truths. Uh, can, can Jesus heal? Yeah. Is he compassionate? Yeah. Why isn't he? You don't need to know the answer to that. You, you can ask it as a friend, but you don't need to because you can conclude whatever the reason, it is well with my soul. Number four, you need to be careful that you do not assume the results are the reasons. Uh, this, this is a tricky one, but you, but you can't say, ah, the suffering was good because look at what happened because of it. Now, you can find some consolation in that, but you could also potentially find some bitterness in that. Furthermore, the deeper issue is that by trying to connect because of this suffering, God did that, you are then going to put him on the scales. Was that worth it? And we find ourselves back at response number one, don't we? Can you handle the answer, really? Wouldn't it just be wiser to trust him now, to trust him today? And should you see benefits that come out of it, praise God, but please, don't wait for those benefits because you may not see them on this side of eternity. You may not, and that could cause a root of bitterness to grow really deep down into your soul. That is very difficult to uproot. Instead, whatever God does, whatever God doesn't, I still trust him. I still know that this was good. Whether I can view it or not, whether I can see it and experience the fruit of my suffering, I'm not going to be like Job's counselors, and, 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 and I won't become like Job, who dared to ask God, why? And God's response, basically, you can't handle the truth. You, you're so puny. You're so little. Trust the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start in Virginia, where it seems we have yet another case of wokeness run amok in our public schools. A Virginia family speaking out after their high school implemented a policy allowing biologically male students to use the girls' locker rooms. Because, of course, they did. It would hurt the boys' feelings if they couldn't go into the girls' locker rooms. <sighs> and we can't have anybody getting their feelings hurt these days, now can we? In other news, a Catholic bishop in Iowa is calling on schools to reject LGBT ideology being pushed by the state education department. His name's Bishop William Joensen, and he criticized new guidelines promoting gender transitioning and homosexuality in schools. He rightly argued that it goes against Catholic teachings, it goes against Christian teachings, it goes against just common sense teachings on sexuality and human dignity. And good for him for speaking out, though he's going to get labeled as a bigot. But it does seem like that he doesn't care to bow at the altar of wokeness. And good on him for it. Shifting gears now to the brave new world of modern medicine. Researchers at Yale are experimenting with new IVF techniques that would allow same-sex couples to have a baby that is biologically both theirs. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's even possible. I'm, I'm going to say no, it's not possible. When you start playing God... The biological stuff goes out the window. 
And some good news for the pro-life movement. The University of New Mexico has backed down after attempting to charge a pro-life student group unfair fees. The school had demanded thousands of dollars in security fees from Students for Life for an on-campus event, even though they didn't charge left-wing groups that same fee. After some legal pressure, the school finally agreed to waive the fees. Also on the pro-life front, a judge in Arizona has prohibited a controversial new law that sought to allow abortions up to 26 weeks. In a powerful decision, the judge stated we cannot allow the heartbeat to be stopped. Now, I know there are some out there that would rightly argue that that doesn't go far enough. The heartbeat is not a sign of life. Conception, period, is a sign of life. I get it and I agree with it. But let's do all we can while we can to save as many as we possibly can. Finally, persecution of religious minorities continues in Pakistan. When I say religious minorities, I just mean Christians. Christians in the country are facing growing accusations of blasphemy, which of course carries severe punishments, even up to death. Just last week, a Christian sanitation worker was killed over unproven allegations. Religious freedom continues to be under assault in many parts of the world, especially in Pakistan. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Second Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, written about one year later. Since Paul had last written, some false apostles had snuck in and began to question Paul's authority. There are many who claim authority in the church, but those called by Christ will bear the marks of Christ, which are humility and reliance upon Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This segment is dedicated to one Jimmy Hicks. This is Wretched Radio. One Jimmy Hicks writes in, Dear Todd, my kids are getting older and they're going to... That's supposed to be Casey Case. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, that's what that is. That right was there. that was pretty close. <laughs> There's a he had that lilt. Yeah, <laughs> the bigger the number, the lesser the hit. The smaller the number, the bigger the hit. I think that's how he did it. Oh dear Todd, writes Jimmy Hicks. How do I let my kids go? Well, thanks for asking that question, Jimmy. I'm going to let, as long as he's the theme du jour, which is also the theme of the day, Tim Challies answer the question, how do you let your kids go? Well, we know as Christians, you never really do. Your, your heart strings, they are firmly connected to theirs, even as they go about the business sometimes, sadly, trying to cut those strings. You're attached. That never changes. You'll never stop caring. You'll never stop wanting the best for them. But in a sense, we do have to use the vernacular of the day and say, we got to let him go. You got to let him go. The Bible tells us that's the way it has to happen. They need to leave and cleave. I'll never forget reading, I think it was Wayne Mack, I think, talking about the number of problems that result in a man or woman who doesn't leave or cleave. I think it's in Wayne Mack's in-laws book, if I'm not mistaken. It is a tragic error of a young person to not know how to leave and cleave. Now, if you're a parent, you hear that and you go, ah, but I, I want them to live close to me. That's fine. They still need to leave and cleave. They can live on your property. They, they can live in your basement. They still need to leave and cleave. They need to be let go. You can't keep treating them that way. Why? Because they're no longer in, if you will, primarily that covenantal relationship. 
They've cut a covenant with somebody of the opposite gender till death do them part to be one flesh. And that means spouse comes first. Spouse, not family, not mom. I know that's hard, mom, not dad. Got to let him go. That's biblical. It's not cliche. And you wanted that too, didn't you? We want this, this tenuous relationship. I'm telling you, it is so tricky and I can't help it. When I think back on, on cultures, because this is so dynamic in its, in its, in its com- composure, the way that this relationship works between parents and adult children, we kind of as a society had this laid out how you would treat them and how they would treat you. And while it maybe felt a little bit on the heavy-handed side, it, it helped because this is, it's hard because you've got a tension that is going on here. You've got young people who want to leave and cleave, and you've got parents who are like, no, you're my life. I, there's a problem, isn't it? I, I, have, I built my world around you. That might be a hint for us. Nevertheless, this, this tension that exists, it is not easy. So perhaps this helpful letting go article from one Tim Challies will indeed help you and Jimmy Hicks. Thank you. First, I would encourage parents to deliberately begin loosening their oversight well before their children leave. It's not easy. I get it. They do foolish things. I don't know why I'm whispering, but you want to make sure that you start letting them go and do boneheaded things. Don't let them get in. Don't let them drive drunk. But if they make, if they want to buy that car and you're like, you know, son, I've taught you enough about automobiles that if you think that's a good decision, then go ahead and spend the money. By the way, had dinner on Friday night, last Friday night. This was this was a crazy dinner. The how often does this happen to you these days? I got a text at like 5:30 from a friend. They go to they go to Bible study. You want to do dinner? What? No plans, impromptu. And we did. And it was delightful. Had a great time. And he was sharing about his son. He if I recall, sorry if I got the details wrong, but he, he called his son out to the garage and he said, would you hand me an XYZ, whatever the tool was? And the son went, I don't know what that is. And dad realized, uh-oh, I got to change that. He called up a friend who runs, I think it was like an oil change station. And he said, uh, hey, my son just told me he doesn't know what an XYZ tool is. And the guy said, say no more. He can come work here. And dad said, he will for three months without pay because he's going to learn about tools, fixing cars, hard work, getting dirty. Wow. Crazy. Preparing the son to be, you know, an adult. And we got to do that. And it starts with letting them sometimes make some really dumb decisions. We do not serve our children well when we maintain rigid control over them while they are in the home, but then simply release them when they leave. That's a vivid picture, isn't it? We lawn more. We helicopter. We're taking care of everything. They make no decisions. You're free. Go to university. What? They're acting like a pagan. How in the world did that happen? You didn't let them go. It is far better to begin to release control when we are still present to observe and to guide them. 
It's not the worst thing in the world if they fail a few times when you're there to clean up the mess and provide a soft landing. Jimmy, why are you muttering in there? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just comparing my life. <laughs> so this, this is actually maybe hitting home a little bit? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit. Because you've got teenagers, I do. I have. And one. this is this. That's that's the hardest one in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that car is a lemon. Don't buy that car, son. It's going to cost you a fortune. Clang! The muffler falls off as he pulls into the driveway. Well, there you have it. I guess you should have worked at the oil change station for a few months one summer. Number two, well, when you want to let the kids go, treat them like adults. That ain't easy. Remember, you're not raising kids. You're raising adults. That's a, that's a mental mind game, but it's, it's powerful. You need to do your kids the dignity. Did he say do your kids the dignity of treating them like grown-ups and not like children? This involves giving them adult privileges, but also requiring adult expectations. That's one of the major problems I see these days with parenting. We give them all the privileges, no expectations. Give them all the money, but they never earn it. Let them let give them all the gifts, but they never had to sweat to attain them. That ain't helpful. Third, according to Tim Challies, I would encourage parents to carefully distinguish between matters of preference and matters of right and wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go back to Wayne Mack's book. I think it's the same in-laws book when he talks about your family of origin, how you grew up. All right, Jimmy, when you were a kid uh-huh. and the family made popcorn, what kind did they make? Butter. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Like, you mean, you mean brand? You made butter popcorn? <laughs> well, there's... You didn't use olive oil no, but... and sea salt? No, no cheese or anything. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe your family. Oh, all right. What's going what's gonna to happen if you marry somebody? Who has olive oil and sea salt popcorn? Whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're going to get into a fight because your family of origin made butter popcorn, which is really the right way to do it with lots of salt, if you don't mind me saying so. And I don't know why I'm whispering again. I think I've been watching too much of our president. These Now I need to scowl. The point is, that's the way, that's the way they grew up. Preference issues. Make, make sure you distinguish those things so that you don't make something an ironclad law. You're not setting them up well for marriage. And son, popcorn must always be made this way or you're going to get a spanking. Okay, they're going to bring that into their marriage and you're going to control them. This is what Charlie said. Your child is probably going to be out of your home for all of two weeks before they get a tattoo or a piercing or before they begin sporting some new fashion choices or a new hairstyle. And you gotta, you gotta make sure you let them in advance. Is it a preference? Is it a sin? And why? And maybe teach them what is the better. Number four, help them find a good church as they leave. Fifth, clarify expectations about relationships. In other words, say, I think it would be wise for you to refrain from dating during your freshman year so you can focus on adjusting to college versus I forbid you to date your freshman year. Give them wisdom, but maybe not as many commands. Six, write them letters. Seventh, find balance between letting them go and remaining involved in their lives. Um, 
Tim, if you if you could expand on that a few hundred pages, that'd be particularly helpful if you don't mind me saying so. How do you stay involved? Let them go. Work through it. Don't stalk them. Don't obsess. But don't abandon. Finally, commend them to the grace of God. Let them go because you never had them in the first place. Oh, one more, writes Chalice. And remember, treat them like adults. If your kid, I know it can be an arbitrary number, but if your kid's running off to university, if your kid's moving out of the house, even as they enter into the teenage years, at some point you got to determine they're going to be, that's an adult. And you need to treat them like it. I know their brain isn't fully developed till it's 25, but endeavor to wisely treat them like adults. So when you do let them go, they actually act like one. I hope that was helpful, Jimmy Hicks. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything, everywhere you look. (laughs) Plus, that also means football season is in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right, Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that Sugar Hype Kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not, so you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity-induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to. No, you don't have to. You can actually include it with the gospel booklets, but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the Wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet. Now through the 25th. And you'll want to order by the 25th so you'll have them in time for the Devil's Day. That's Halloween. Get them before they're gone at Wretched.org. Sorry to ask you to do some math, but this is math that is going to make you very, very happy. Listen to this one testimony of a woman who chose life. When I found out I was pregnant, I felt like I was being pushed to get an abortion. My papa's exact words to me were, this isn't a birthing center, find somewhere else to go. And I came in and I met Melody and it was this instant connection and I told her what I was going through and it was kind of like having an instant friend, an instant family. Take that one 
testimony and multiply it times 54,253. And what do you get? The number of babies that were saved because you have been supporting pre-born centers around the country. Would you please consider helping us grow that number by providing ultrasounds? $28 per ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life at preborn.org slash wretched. Revelation. Special revelation is God's act of making himself known through direct means. In history, God has spoken directly to people like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. 2,000 years ago, he revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, he reveals himself in his perfect word, the Bible. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Dear Todd, how can I destroy my marriage? Well, thanks for writing, Jimmy Hicks. This is Wretched Radio. Is wow, that, you've been prolific. Is that how I talk? You are. No, it's Casey Kasem. I know. Wait a second. Who took Casey Kasem's place? Ryan Seacrest, I think. Oh, no. Really? I, yeah. Well, I don't know if that was directly no, what after. What was the name? There was another guy. Uh, he, had, he had kind of a funny name, Stone or... Uh, Sunshine or some yeah, yeah, I don't Stevens, remember. Uh, Shadow Stevens. I don't remember him. I think he took a Google. Okay. He's my friend. Now, this is the type of information you need, Christian. <laughs> That's right. Whatever happened to Shadow Stevens? <laughs> and didn't Casey Kasem get kidnapped or something like that? And then I, it was kind of a strange sort of affair. <laughs> Nevertheless, we'll answer that email from one Jimmy Hicks. How to destroy your marriage. Now, this isn't from Tim Challies. It's from Tim Bryant. Some of these may be obvious. Some of these might be a little more subtle. Number one. No, I'm going to start with number five. Can you guess the number one way to wreck your marriage? Go ahead. The best way to bring a demise to your I do. Jimmy, I know you're busy searching for Shadow Stevens over there. Uh-huh. But what? Oh, what was the other? Uh, Disco Duck. What was that guy's name? Oh, that was Rick Dees. Rick Dees. Yeah, Rick Dees. He yeah, probably had a countdown show, too. From Memphis, Tennessee. Is that right? He got his start. Yep. Can anything good come out of Memphis? Uh, uh, Actually, everything good comes out of Memphis. That's right. Have you been there lately? Uh, uh, Pretty well, much anything good. It is looking rough in Memphis. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> There's some lovely parts. Memphis makes me sad when I go there because you can tell. It's like, oh, this was a gentrified town. And now it's so neglected and so dilapidated. It's my Aunt Elvis would have been a little disappointed that things things turned out that way. So what did what did, what did you want to know what he's doing? Shadow Stevens. <laughs> yeah. He, he currently hosts the internationally syndicated radio show Top of the World and co-hosts Mental Radio. An approach to UFOs and paranormal oh boy. paranormal oh topics. Boy. <laughs> you see, you name your kid Shadow. With an E. That's that's <laughs> nominative determinism right there. With an E? Yeah. Shadow. A shadow? Yep. Or, oh, shadow Shadowy. Shadowy. <laughs> the five common steps to destruction of marriage. Number one, we're going to save. But, Jimmy, if you had to guess, what do you think it is? Number the, one. The five common steps to the destruction of marriage. Yeah, what do you think is the number one one, which I'm not going to share right away? Not communicating. Yep. Number five, we'll see if Jimmy is right, Okay, shall we? 
replaced, by the way, mental radio. That's what we've been doing for years. <laughs> Number five, replace your spouse with other people or things. That is a step on the road to demise is what you got going on there. When your spouse ain't the apple of your eye, you're in trouble. If that describes you, it maybe sounds like an impossible task. But you have to ask yourself the question, is that person, was that person not the apple of your eye when you said, I do? Now, maybe you had some idols. Maybe you still had self, but you had an awful lot of affection for that person. Do you not think that that can be rekindled? Maybe it means you need to start examining what is the priority in your life because God has already determined what it is, your spouse. Your spouse is your number one ministry. And if you're married to a rotten spouse, that's, that's definitely your number one ministry. Not church, not kids, your spouse. Why? Because you left and cleft. You leaved and cleaved. You said goodbye to mom and dad, and you became one flesh with another person. That needs to be the priority. And if it is not, you need to rearrange the furniture and fast. And by the way, more than one act, more than one dozen flowers sent to the office or whatever, more than just one, well, I got your car washed. Don't you know that you're the priority of my life? Well, maybe not. So you maybe have to do a little bit more to show it. And by the way, one of the best ways I think you can show it is by wanting to be around the person. Forget the love languages. Yeah, they can be somewhat helpful from an observational standpoint. But just want to be with your spouse. It demonstrates you're the priority. Number four, you want to wreck your marriage? Neglect to identify, confess, and forgive sins sincerely and regularly. I, I think I might have put that one at number two right there because it's it's connected to number one. Nevertheless, I won't quibble with one Tim Bryant, who's a biblical counselor at Low Country. Uh, I think, yeah, Low Country Biblical Counseling Center. He says, if you ain't confessing sin and repenting and asking for forgiveness, oh, man, don't be surprised when Priscilla says, ah, I got to go, Elvis. Ah, I can't take this no more. All of your, your sinning out there. Because apparently Priscilla had an accent too. She picked it up in Germany. It's detailed. The point is, you've got to be repenting, confessing, and saying, I'm sorry. Here comes the tricky part. Will you forgive me? Yep, you've just turned over the keys of power. Yep, you've just handed them right into the lap of the person against whom you have sinned. Will you forgive me? In other words, I am below you. You have the ability, you have the power to either forgive or not forgive. Please, will you? You say, well, that's not what the patriarchy does. Uh, actually, that's exactly what Christian men do. We're the quicker repenter-uppers or something like that. And hey, wait a second. This illustration, this could actually be better than Taylor Swift. Your, your repentance is a lot like brawny paper towels. It's the quicker picker-upper. You repent and the stain comes up. The spill gets swept away. And without brawny, but without repentance, the stain is there and it never goes away. You want to destroy your marriage? Never repent. I was talking to a person, not, not married, but was having a relational difficulty. 
had 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 gone through something with a friend and the relationship was torn and i said uh, did you ask for forgiveness i apologized i didn't say that did you ask for forgiveness well you know i said i'm going to work on it deb then you haven't done it it is it is a magic relational key and so i encourage this fellow please say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness and see if the relationship doesn't get healed haven't seen him since, but I'm pretty sure it has. Trust me, the illustration works regardless. Number three, use disagreements as opportunities to pull away or blow up. Instead of spiritually influence, you got a choice. When something is agitating, your response will either grow you or it will darken you. It will embitter you. Uh, Mrs. Freel and I, I think we were talking about this over the weekend. Just that in the... Okay. For instance, in our house, we have, I guess it could be rightly defined as a walk-in closet, but two people can't walk in at the same time. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that two people don't need their stuff at the same time. So what has to happen? Kind of the sideways shimmy. Or the person is standing in the middle of the aisle, which cannot accommodate two people. And you want to get, I just, I want to, I want to get my tie. I, I need to get, I need to get. You can either become bitter, agitated, annoyed, or genuinely grow. Don't just overlook it. It's, it's not even a sin issue. <sighs> How many times have I blocked her? How many times do I do things that are an annoyance to her? How patient has Jesus been with me? And I'm just going to let it go. You've got an option. Number two, you want to wreck your marriage. Neglect growing an active love toward your spouse. Active love. Are you doing it? And finally, Jimmy, are you ready for the number one reason or the number one thing that's going to get you in the doghouse and maybe to the divorce court? I already told you. I'm, I said, are you ready? I'm ready for it. That's don't, you told us what it is. What the, did you say it was, by the I, way? I said, communication. Yeah, yeah, lack of communication. Not exactly correct. The number one thing that will absolutely trash your marriage, neglect growth. Sorry. Timing. Neglect <laughs> growth in your walk with the Lord. If that ain't whole, your marriage is going to struggle. That means if you've been neglecting spiritual disciplines, the means of growth, please get on it. Your, your marriage will suffer if you don't. And you say, but I'm spending more time with my spouse. That's good, but you got to make sure you got your priorities straight. This is your spiritual walk. It is the oxygen mask that falls down from the ceiling of a plane that is in trouble. You put it on your face first, then you can serve and help others. If you don't, your marriage is going to crash. I don't mind telling you I'm pretty pleased with how that illustration turned out. Are you practicing the means of growth? If your marriage is not flourishing at the moment, it is almost a certainty, almost, can't say definitively, but it is almost a certainty that the reason is is not because of marriage or because of him or her it's because of your relationship with the lord until tomorrow <laughs> go serve your king